Hi, I'm Ellie. And I'm Haley. And this is Two Kids and a Broadway Star. It's from Japan! It's a gray among pills. nanotechnology CPU. Our guest today is Gerard Canonico. Canonico, Canonico, Canonico. We've been big fans of Gerard since we saw him as Rich in Be More Chill, but you might also know him from some of Broadway's favorite shows. Like Spring Awakening, American Idiot, Groundhog Day, 21 Chump Street, and now Almost Famous. The show opened earlier this year, and we're definitely going to talk all about it today. We also just saw Gerard in the Spring Awakening documentary, and he reunited with the OG cast on this year's Tony Awards. We've been waiting for this one since we fell in love with the squips from Japan. Gerard, get that yell ready because you know we're going to ask for it. <laughs> Ellie, are you awakened for this episode? I am almost famously chill for this episode. Hi, Gerard! Hi! Oh my god, it's so great having you on the podcast. We're oh my gosh, here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, yeah. And filling me in and your, I'm sure, very busy schedule with this podcast. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so we weren't kidding when we said we're big fans. Haley saw you in Be More Chill on Broadway, and we actually met you at BroadwayCon a few years ago when we were cosplaying as Christine and Jeremy. We're oh, really yeah. excited to have you on the show. I'm so happy to be here. Honestly, somebody who works on my show sent me those pictures uh, the other day. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, here they are. So I have them, which is lovely. So I saved them to my phone, obviously, because oh they're amazing. I remember you guys because you looked so incredible. You were so detailed. It was, like, really, really trippy. I thought you stole the costumes from the costume department or something. Oh, yeah, we, we did. You, you did. Know? You snuck in. Wait, wait, okay, it's not hard to break into, like, Broadway costume departments. Like, not no, into the Lyceum. buy it on Amazon like I did with the whole thing. <laughs> We were handing out Squips and Mountain Dew to literally anybody who we saw. Oh my god, good. we squipped everybody. Good, good, good. Domination. Okay. <laughs> so we're both, we both definitely had a big Be More Chill phase, or maybe we're still in one after like three years. Um, can we start there? It seemed like such a fun show and a fun cast to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, Be More Chill changed a lot for me in I, I guess pretty much so many ways professionally. Um, I've been working for a long time. Like you guys rattled off my resume earlier, which is crazy. Uh, but that show in particular sort of changed a lot just for me as like a performer. It put me into a different sort of um, place where I could showcase different things maybe that I've never really shown in a theatrical setting before. Um, so that was exciting for me. And working with Joe Iconis was probably the coolest uh, experience of my entire life because I had always been a big fan of his. So to originate a part um, in a Joe Iconis musical in that show with the Ned Vizzini book, like, you know what I mean? It, it was it was just, there was so much cool stuff about it that how could you ever say no? Um, I remember when I read the, the description for Rich, it was like, um, he's a five foot four, like ball of fury or something. And I was like, well, if that ain't me, I better get this part, um, just from the character description alone. But yeah, that, I mean, that experience was amazing. We built it from the ground up, you know, we started here in New York city and did a few readings of it and did it at two river theater in New Jersey for a regional run. And, um, the album ended up being the thing that got us to go to Broadway, to New York, to, you know, off-Broadway and then Broadway, um, which is a totally crazy, strange trajectory for musicals uh, that I'm sure you all know. Um, it's it's totally unheard of. So everything about it was singular and unique. And because of that, everybody in the show 
has become like literally family. Like there's no way I'm not going to be in touch with everyone from my Be More Chill family <clears throat> and my Joe Iconis family really for the rest of my life. Like that is, it is the real family. That's a real thing. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, it's changed a lot. I'm going, you know, to the Iconis Christmas party again this year. So it's, it's just one of those things that like now my life is full of all these wonderful misfit people um, that I wouldn't have ever gotten to work with or know if it hadn't been for that show. So yeah, yeah it changed, it changed a whole lot. I love how all the characters are like misfits, even though they're like popular or whatever. Exactly. And, like, Rich mm-hmm. is mentally screwed up, but, but he's like kind yeah. of he's so funny and he's like so colorful, such a colorful, colorful character. Like yeah. with his hair and everything, he like <laughs> goes completely insane. Like, were you like ever like Rich in high school, or were you more like Jeremy? Um, I think I was a healthy mixture of both, um, <laughs> with a little less emphasis on wanting to burn my house down. Um, you know just a little less but you know sometimes but there's a little yeah there's that little like like you know little hint of rebellion maybe you want to burn your house down every once in a while yeah only on mondays strictly mondays you know (laughs) and that doesn't change by the way mondays just get harder and harder so just buckle up yeah yeah, no i would say don't i don't burn a house down that's not good don't take that advice but um (laughs) i think in general i was you know high school was cool for me because it was a chance to like reinvent myself or or like be the version of myself that I wanted to be without sort of hiding anything I feel like I was maybe more like Jeremy in middle school um like I was relentlessly teased growing up I was bullied you know pretty relentlessly as well and like being in musical theater as a young person at that time um was not really a cool thing to do so it was like you know Nobody got it. And I was in, you know, Les Miserables when I was a kid. So when I was eight, I had like really long hair and I was, let's see, what year was that? Like 1999. Oh God. And I had, I had hair like down to my shoulders and nobody at that time had hair that long. who was, who was identified as a boy at that time. So it was like, it was just a weird thing and you get picked on all the time and you're like, whatever. I still got to go into New York every single night and be in a Broadway show. So like, it didn't really get me down like Jeremy needed this squip thing I had Broadway like Broadway was my squip which was kind of a cool thing and it's like not a destructive squip so um that was a nice feeling and like the Rich Goransky thing is like the yeah I was a I was a total nightmare for a while too because I was a teenager you know I was hiding things from my parents I was like smoking cigarettes and stuff and like don't do that it's bad it's bad for you I heard your voice I know it tell me about it I don't anymore. It's bad for you. It's very bad for you. Yeah, but, you know, it's weird. it's the, the stuff that at that time, as a young person, that's what we did. And uh, it was stupid and it was reckless. But you learn a lot from those things. And, you know, you learn a lot from your mistakes in life. And um, Rich Goransky, to me, was such an interesting character because I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Flowers for Algernon. Have you read that book? or or aware of that book um it's you know i had to read it at some point in my life and um it's you know the the algernon is a mouse it's basically being experimented on and you kind of watch his downfall before the downfall of the thing so that's kind of what rich Goransky is in be more chill like you see this guy who clearly he's got issues that he's not dealing with correctly and he's using his aggression and whatever it is and you watch this poor kid like spiral out of control 
before the whole school gets engulfed in that same thing. And so it was really exciting for me to play that kind of a character because I loved that book growing up. I loved that cautionary tale thing. Um, and it was nice to like play a character that gets total, um, you know, like rebirth at the end. You know, there's some, there's something so nice about having a full arc throughout a whole piece of, of, of the show where it's not like the, it felt like he went through this whole journey and the whole audience saw him do it. And then he came out on the other side and they all accepted him with open arms. And like, if that's not the story of be more chill, like that we want to start telling, then I don't know what it is, you know? Yeah. Because like the squip is like a metaphor for like conformity. Yeah. Like, once exactly. you got out of the Broadway show and out of that sense of purpose, like it was probably once you're done using your energy towards theater, you probably like started, I don't know, maybe wanting to like do things other people started doing. And then like, that's kind exactly. of the metaphor for the squip. Like, everyone's doing it everyone has a squip and like everyone's being cool so you have to right. do it too exactly that, that pressure that's always nagging you in your brain just like a squip exactly and it and it, it it's it's an amazing metaphor because it doesn't change either as you get older squips are going to exist in sort of every facet of life and it's how you navigate through those things um but yeah broadway was a pretty cool squip to have um <laughs> on the outside of that it's music too like music was a really great outlet to have and it still is because it's just a place to put your energy. It's a place to put your creative ideas that at least I know what to do with. I'm a terrible, I can't like draw for anything. Like I'm a terrible vis visual artist. Oh yeah. God, yeah. I'll give you a stick figure all day, yeah. but like people who design their own tattoos and stuff. I love that. I'm like, nope. <laughs> no Not way. So it sounds like you could really relate to parts of Rich. Do you prefer to play parts that you can relate to or do you like roles that feel brand new to you? Um, I definitely uh, like both. I think that the challenge of both is fun. I, I, I think to play a part that you maybe don't necessarily have a lot in common with, it does take a lot more research and a lot more work, which is the fun part about being an actor. I think it's like, oh, this character's so not me. So how does that person think? Like, what makes that person tick? That is so exciting and so much fun. It's almost like a lot of work. So sometimes it depends on where you're at. Like, right now, I'm in a place where I'm really happy with the show I'm in and the part I have. And I feel like I have a lot of past experiences that help me live very comfortably in the character. Um, I'm pretty much always dropped in. And that hasn't always been the case. Spring Awakening, that wasn't the case. I had to drop in very hard every day for that show. And it was really emotionally taxing. And it took a lot out of me. But at the end of the day, you go to bed and you're like, damn, I was, I acted real hard today. <laughs> you know, like, I really did my job today. It's like, you know, that sense of um, fulfillment. So I guess both. Yeah, the challenge is nice. So for Rich, you had to be like a bully, right? Did you take pieces of the people who bullied you and put them into rich oh yeah 100 percent. yeah oh yeah those guys those those guys live with me you know like in my in it, those yeah. those those people created me essentially um the, the the schoolyard create you know what i mean like that old trope um but it it doesn't mean that like i don't know they, that I don't think they've been redeemed or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think every bully hopefully has learned their lesson. I'm sure not everyone has. Um, I know for a fact not every bully has learned their lesson, but um, we all have. We all know that. But it's it's nice to have something to pull from, for sure. It's also a little traumatic to have things to pull from. Yeah. Um, but it was like also, 
it's playing pretend. And for me, it's my outlet to work through whatever I'm going through. So like when I am feeling a certain way, I love that I can go to a show and put that energy into a character or a piece of art. Um, that to me is very therapeutic and really balances me, I feel like. So um, even if I'm dealing with some pretty traumatic stuff through a character, it's still ultimately, I think, very helpful. So we like to make our guests say their famous Broadway lines, mm. and you have two. It's <laughs> from Japan, and don't touch me, tall ass! Good one. Yo, don't touch me, tall ass. We really want to ask you for it's from Japan, but we're not sure if you really want to do that because matinees, eight shows a week. But like, if you want to, like, you're free to. But like, I will say for the for the sanity of my neighbors and our paper thin walls, I probably shouldn't because it is a Sunday, yeah, and I'm sure people are sleeping in. However, I can give you my uh, the the other line, and I'm happy to do a like audible. Second line, if there's any other line out there that you can think of. Oh, um, what, where is mine? Wait, Mountain Dew <laughs> The The slow-mo thing? All right. Let's do that one first. Yeah. Let's see if I remember it. I need Mountain Dew Red! So stupid. So stupid. <laughs> and then let's see, let's see one more. Um. <laughs> don't touch me tall ass whoa i felt the anger there thank you I felt the trauma thank you <laughs> yes oh my god you still remember it you still got it yes. gosh guys that made me nervous yeah, legitimately me putting me on the spot like that yeah yeah i mean yeah we we make the rules <laughs> we're happy you mentioned spring awakening before yeah. because you just did the reunion and that show feels like it really mattered so much not just to the cast but kind of as a turning point for broadway what was it like to go back to that as a grown-up oh gosh it was so bizarre um but like in the in the best way i guess uh, it, you know i kind of grew up with that group of people like i was a kid actor and then spring awakening was my first sort of teenager adult role so it was it was like my crossover as a working professional to be like, all right, can I be an adult actor and hang with all of these really talented adults? Because like everyone in that cast was unbelievable and still is unbelievable. That's why they're all individually blowing up on their own. Um, but what was crazy is that after all this time, everyone just sort of fell right back into the same like thing you know like we all it all just felt very much like 2007 again like everyone was hanging out with the same people all making the same jokes it very much felt like the same vibe just everyone's older and some people have kids now and some people are married some people are divorced like who, who knows um and those life experiences being able to like come back and share those and then stand on stage and do the show again that was like super crazy because I was like, I knew the show was good, right? But you do it every day and you watch it every day and you start to get just a little jaded, I guess, by it. And watching it again, I was like, oh, wow, yeah, this show is really good. Like, there's not really anything <laughs> like this show. <laughs> it's like being validated and new, like, oh, yeah, I get it. I really do get it. This show and. It, it it did so much. It, it it changed so much for the way people thought about how musical theater could be done. 
And to me at that time, it was like a cool rock musical. And so to look back and see really the impact it had on such a deeper level than just it being a cool rock musical is so fascinating. And all of us coming back to appreciate that as adults, I think made the whole experience like that much more special. Like John Groff cried a hundred times, you know, a day. Like every, every, anytime he had to do a scene with anyone, he would make eye contact with them and start crying because <laughs> it was just like, it's so emotional. You, you go right back, you drop right back in and that, that period of time um, for everybody. I mean, it changed it. That changed our, our lives, their lives more than mine. Be More Chill did to me, I think what Spring Awakening did for the onstage performing company of Spring Awakening. I was very lucky to be a part of the original cast and like cover everybody and be there and be on stage every night. But, you know, I was still in the ensemble, I was still swing, still had to like work a little bit. But um, it was, uh, it, it's lovely to see everyone getting the recognition that they deserve later on and like living such happy, full lives. You know, I'm like reconnecting with people I haven't seen, you know, the the, the guy who plays Hanshin in Spring Awakening, Johnny B. Wright, he moved away and then moved back recently and I've gotten to meet him and his his wife and his baby and they got married and we were at his wedding and it's like, this is crazy, man. Like if you asked Gerard, who's 17, working with this guy, like would I be at his wedding? I'd be like, I don't know, some guy I work with, you know what I mean? It's these are people that are now a part of my life and it's really beautiful to see. Like I got him a job when he moved back here. Cause I was leaving that job. So it was like, yeah, my buddy's moving. Let's get him a job. That's so cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful. It's like the reunion truly was that it was a reunion. It was a rekindling. So like we're all in the group chat every day. Now everybody <laughs> talks to each other every day. Still. It's really remarkable. That's so amazing how those connections can last a lifetime. Yeah, they they really can. I mean, it's this is the true testament to it. Did you watch the documentary? I did. I did. We got to screen it too as a a group of of people at the like a big you know gala thing. But um, yeah, I liked it. You know, it was nice to watch. It was like it was nice to hear from like John and Leah and Lily and. Um, Lauren and just, you know, other people's stories of their experiences through, throughout that whole thing. I think there's a lot of other stories that were not told in the documentary, but how much time do you have? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's just like so much time to cover in like one little documentary and like, I'm sure the viewers can never understand how like, cause like I've been in shows before, but like Broadway shows, I'm sure like you guys get like so tight. You guys are like family. Like you said, you were at that guy's wedding. You got him a job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it, it is tight. It depends. And it depends on the, the experience. Spring Awakening, we built something together. Be More Chill, we built something together. Almost Famous, same thing. We built something together. We're, we're currently still like yeah. building it and we're, we're trying to see how many people we can reach with it. And you know, that's going to mean something. So I, you know, I'm excited to see what that means with my relationship with these people that I'm currently working with brings me to in the next 10 years. Like, what is that going to mean? It's such a cool thing about this industry. You just meet so many cool people <laughs> and you, just, yeah. you can hopefully stay in touch with them all. Cause it's like, it's done like an office job where you like stay in your own little cubicle, like nothing against office jobs. Like those are fine. Yeah. But like these like build camaraderie, like you guys have to like when that one set piece falls off the stage and you're all giving each other awkward glances as to who's going to pick it up. And like, you're right. 
when like they have to stop the show because of a technical dif- difficulty and all those you know uno games you play backstage exactly like, those, those really mean something those are amazing. exactly the uno games the moncala games you guys ever play moncala you know that game yeah no. yeah with like a little it's got like little pebbles it's weird i used to play mm-hmm. it all the time yeah, as a kid so <laughs> do you have any funny stories of things happening on stage at be more chill or spring awakening hmm. uh yeah uh at spring awakening let's see there's a few things that happened at spring awakening one of the the notorious things that i the things that i was notorious for was breaking chairs i could break chairs like the best of them and of <laughs> it, you know they were wooden chairs so they were very easy to break but then eventually they would have to reinforce them with like steel and like rods and stuff because we were just like dude we were jumping on chairs we're oh, big spring awakening, yeah. we're dudes yeah on spring awakening we were jumping on these wooden chairs and in my chair in the ensemble we had on stage seating you know for those that don't know and i sat in uh stage right all the way up in the corner stage right and I, you know, I liked it. I liked my little perch. I could hang out in my little corner and my chair was reinforced with steel because I had jumped through it so many times during the show. Um, I had broken, I think a total of like six or seven chairs throughout <laughs> my time in the ensemble because oh during God. totally, can I say the name of the song on this yeah, podcast? Yeah. Totally fucked. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. You, know. you never know. It's um, um, during that number, we are jumping on the chairs directly. And they would be like, Gerard, can you just jump a little lighter? I'm like, well, yeah, if you want it to be less realistic. Gingerly get up on the how, chair. Like, just <laughs> step up on the chair instead of jumping. Exactly. Like, do you want me to pretend or? Okay. Because there are people right next to me. Like, there's away. people sitting right next to me. So I have to jump, like, in a direct straight line. And uh, yeah, sometimes I just go right through the chair. And then I'd have to sit on the broken chair for, like, the next 30 minutes until oh the. Because I still had to sit there and sing with my microphones. But that must have been like torture, you know, like the chair's broken, like the splinters are so all scared. I'd be like, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Sit in while I'm just sitting here, and I'm like no. it's totally quiet in the auditorium, and like the chair just like and exactly. You just like Bam. It was part yep. of the plot, guys. Like, what are yeah, you? Yeah, don't talking worry about, about it. Part of the show. I would get yeah. down, you know, and I could leave and and tell them that the chair broke, but you know, there's not much they can do during the show, so I had to <laughs> sort of like pick up the broken part, put it on top and like sit on it and just hope that it stayed for the next little bit. And I then, mean, like, uh, yeah, they weren't like great schools back then. Like the chairs were like, they yeah. probably were underfunded. So oh yeah, absolutely. Chairs all the time. Those like, chairs broke all the time. Yeah, yeah. of course. You and know, just like, yeah, there was, a, there were some other fun things where, you know, I would have to sit on stage the whole show. So, and a lot of the, every character is supposed to essentially you're, in Spring Awakening, that's the coolest thing about it. It's like, except for a couple characters, every time you finish your scene, you go sit on the onstage seating with the audience and you watch. And it's a really cool, immersive thing, and I loved it. And you're, you know, you're yourself. Like, when I'm in the chair in my Moritz outfit, I'm Gerard sitting in the chair next to the audience member in my Moritz costume. As soon as I hit the stage, I'm Moritz. That's how it worked. And so it's like, that was a really cool uh, thing about it. But to to break the illusion a little bit, we would, you know, have to bring some snacks on stage if we were a little hungry or whatever. And brought some candy on stage one time, a bag of Skittles. And uh, they opened up. I was sharing them with another cast member. 
I'm not going to name who it was, um, but we were losing our minds because they all exploded all over the stage during one of the quieter moments of the play. And our music director was sitting like directly in front of us at the piano and she heard it happen and you could she like turned her head like and (laughs) just gave us like one of the worst out of the corner of her eye stares I've ever seen. And I thought I was going to be fired, but I wasn't. I was just yelled at um, pretty bad. Like we were, I was a kid, man. I was like a hungry, I was just hungry. Like, like the hundredth show. I just want candy. Yeah, because they definitely had candy like a hundred years ago. And yeah, <laughs> Skittles and M and M's. What? Come on, yeah, you just bring out your phone. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? We didn't have iPhone 13s back in Germany back then. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that show. That show. I guess we had a bunch. Be more chill. I'm trying to think of any kind of crazy um, mishaps that happened, but like generally it wasn't too insane i think <laughs> i'm thinking of like the the smartphone hour or something i feel like there were some set piece issues maybe with the phones that come down from the sky like that george is supposed to be riding in or something <laughs> yes oh my god i love that oh, oh well you know i do have a i do have a george salazar story um mm-hmm. from be more chill when we did be more chill at two river theater um, by the way, I love George Salazar very much, and we, and the two of us had probably the best time I've ever had creating uh, two characters called the Mall characters, um, and be more chill. Oh where my god, he I plays, love how they all dress up like that. That's so funny. He plays like Carl, this older gentleman, and I play a young, uh, punk-ish looking kid with like a bunch of spikes and stuff all over my costume and you know we're sort of shopping at the same place and he like it suggested that he's trying to pick me up and he wants to buy me stuff and just you know take care of me and I was like okay and so we played along with this little thing every once in a while and it was funny and blah 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 but it was mostly just for us to like get through the scene and like make a little story that nobody was going to pay attention to. Like this was just for me and George to make sense of why we're in this scene shopping together. So like as two different characters. And so George like hurts himself, I guess he like rolls his ankle and I don't realize it in the middle of the scene. And so he's like limping over to me. And I was like, Oh, what's wrong, baby? You want me to massage your ankle for you? And he's like, no, I really, I rolled my ankle. And he was like really upset by it, but he couldn't really yell about it because he was in pain, but it was on stage. And so he's like trying to tell me, I hurt myself. I really hurt myself. I can't. So we're like getting through the number and he's like hobbling around and it was awful. And he went off stage and I just like, saw him laying backstage with his legs up in his Carl outfit. So he's got this like crazy wig on his suit, his legs up in a chair, got the dressers taking care of him. And I was like, you doing okay, baby? He's like, oh yeah, doing great. And uh, he had to come back in as, as Michael for the end of act one. And he comes in really fast and then he's supposed to disappear off the stage. The lights go down. He's supposed to run off stage. He appears disappears the lights come back up and he's still hobbling off the stage (laughs) he could not get off stage in time um and i'm sorry george that that's the story i remember from be more chill um because that that really stayed with me uh it really stayed with me very very funny but um he's okay thankfully his ankle did not have long-term damage uh okay 
So first, I didn't know you played Moritz, and that's my last name. So big. Hey, <laughs> that's cool. And we don't want to run out of time, so let's talk about Almost Famous, which let's opened in November. Congratulations! Thank you. Who you play it, and what's he like? And does he break any chairs? Okay, so I play Dick Roswell. He's the manager of the band Stillwater. He is the only British character in the play, so that's really fun. I get to like do a really fun British accent. Um, and I also cover Lester Bangs in the musical. Lester Bangs is the rock critic uh, from Cream Magazine and eventually Rolling Stone, who sort of guides William throughout his journey. Um, that's been really fun. I've been doing that part actually this whole week, so I'm on again today for that character uh, twice. So that's very exciting. Um, and essentially, you know, Dick doesn't really break any chairs in the show, but he breaks a lot of rules and gets in a lot of trouble. So <laughs> he's not exactly, he's not exactly like a good guy. You know what I mean? I mean, but like we love British people. So yeah, he's a good Brit. He's a fun, he's a fun Brit to play. Like sometimes I forget that I'm not doing this accent and it's weird because like I'm playing another character and I'm like doing this accent still. It's weird. It's mine. Yeah, it's weird. So do you have anything in common with Dick? Uh, yeah, we're pretty curmudgeonly, both of us, uh, by like, just like irritable. He's a, he's an irritable fella. Um, the thing I love about Dick Roswell is he's like always in a hurry. Like he's always late. Like just be on time, bro. Like Gerard is saying, just be on time. But he's like, it's like, he's always in a hurry and he's always frantic about something. And then it's usually not that big of a deal. And that's kind of what I love to play about Dick. It's just like too much stuff to do. Too much stuff to do. Oh wait, not much going on. All right, cool. We can chill. Okay, we should do something i don't know like he has no idea how to do his job and it is so fun to play someone who who's like i have authority but doesn't know what they're doing at all <laughs> um it's really really fun to play so and uh, uh it's it's you know if you've if you've seen the film it's very true to the film there are a lot of comedic moments there's a lot of like romantic moments there's a lot of uh, rock and roll moments i don't know why i'm doing this voice um, there's a lot of everything for everyone, but it, it, there is a lot of comedy in it. Um, I love the show. I think it's, uh, a fabulous piece. I've been working on it for about five years now. So I'm just happy it's seeing the light of day and we're getting a big old Broadway run out of it. And the Jacobs is such a cool theater. Um, and God, the, the, the Casey likes in our show who plays the kid is just absolutely outstanding. He's like, giving an unbelievable performance every single night like if there's anything to see for the musical it's just to go see this guy do what he's doing because he's really really fabulous Oh my gosh, when are you coming? Um, January 7th. Oh my gosh. All right, well, I better be good. You better be. I, you better be, better be good, guys. You'll have to email him and be like, you gotta, you gotta bring yeah. the A game on. If I'm, if I'm not good, you should email me notes. That's what you know, should do. She, she's a critic for the New York Times, actually. <gasps> yeah. She, she you know can what? shut down your show. Yeah. So I, I suggest that you give me your A+. best performance. Okay? It's, so, it's so nice to meet you, Miss Jesse Green. It's so nice to meet you. <laughs> We ask each of our guests to choose a charity, and our parents make a donation as a thank you for being on our show. You picked Broadway Cares slash Equity Fights AIDS. Can you tell us about it? Yes. Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS 
is an absolutely wonderful organization. Um, they've been helping the theater community and pretty much everybody surrounding the theater and arts community for many, many years. I don't have the exact number up with me right now, but we usually get a nice big sheet of paper when we do the speech about it. Um, and theaters, uh, I think it's twice a year, we, we do, we do um, collecting at the end of every show uh, for a period of time where people can donate to BCAFA and basically it just helps everybody in need who needs anything and it originally started during the AIDS crisis back in the day so it's really meaningful to the theater community um, it's meant a lot to the people that I work with and and to a lot of people that I love and so um, it would mean a lot for me if uh, people would donate to it and also do do research on it and look it up and look at the amazing things they do and the amazing people they work with because you know it's not just strictly theater it's it's different kinds of art forms too. So before our lightning round we really want to quickly touch on your start as a child actor when you were in Les Mis at Scavroche when you were a kid which is yeah. awesome. What advice do you have for kids like us who want to be on Broadway someday or even right now? Oh man. Well, if you, yeah, no, there's no time like the present y'all. And really it's, you guys are so, so ahead of your game. You guys are so smart. Like it's, it's unbelievable how good you are at hosting this podcast. Um, and I, I only see the both of y'all doing like the greatest things ever. So please stay on track and keep doing it. But, you know, uh, the advice is, yeah, just keep doing it. Be fearless, man. Like, believe in yourself. That's really the only way. I, I didn't know what I was doing when I started. I just kind of threw myself at everything, you know. I was trying to do sports as a kid. I was trying to do all kinds of stuff. And eventually landed on theater, and it totally changed my life. And it's definitely hard work, and it is very much that. It is a job. Um, if you get to Broadway, it is a job, but it is a job that will ultimately, I think, um, teach a lot of really valuable lessons. And it's probably the most fun job you'll ever have in your life because you get paid to play pretend. That's yeah, that is the that is the nuts and bolts of of the job is we're getting we're getting paid to play pretend every day and bring a little bit of inspiration and joy to people's lives and. It's a really good way to uh, to spend the day, I think. So keep going, y'all. You're you're on such a good track, and never stop and get involved. You know, don't don't just like, you know, do everything. Do as much as you can with every facet. I I tried to like do music and stuff, and get to know how people are running things backstage, and you know, just just try to get to know how everybody's doing stuff because you never know. Maybe you'll like see that the production stage manager is like your bag and you're like holy crap i can do that that's cool like whoa maybe that oh actually maybe i'm a director like you never know you really never know so keep all options open and keep on doing what you're doing because you're doing everything right wow that's that's such great advice and yeah. that means a lot coming from someone who was like a child actor when they were younger oh gosh no it's 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 really just believing in yourself you know and and not giving up on yourself because you deserve it you know Okay, so we know you have a matinee to get ready for because you're a big Broadway star. But before <laughs> we go, we have a quick lightning round. Are you in? Kind of. All right, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. All right. One minute on the clock. That's not really there. <laughs> go. What's your favorite musical? Uh, Les Mis. What's your favorite Blink 182 song? Um. 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 Oh my God, that's so hard, guys. That is the hardest. No, come on, just say one. This is Terry Gary. Why did I say that? Okay, great. Uh, are the Giants going to the playoffs? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, who's the split voice in your head? 
Robert Downey Jr. Favorite holiday song? Um, uh, uh, All I Want for Christmas is You. My um, favorite kind of Christmas cookie? I really love snowman cookies with icing. Oh yes. What Be More Chill character were you most like in high school? I was most like, uh, probably Rich. <laughs> um, favorite TV show to binge watch? Um, definitely The Office. Okay, if you could be a band-aid for any band, who would it be? Uh, at this moment in time, probably this band, Turnstile. Okay. Time. So close to one minute. It actually might have been one minute. That oh was my really gosh. Impressive. Oh my god, you're so good at that. Okay, Gerard, it's really true that you are our favorite person. Thank you so much for being on Two Kids and a Broadway Star. Broadway Star, Broadway Star, Broadway Star. You guys, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for being on our podcast. You're such a cool person, honestly. Y'all, this was so much fun. I really appreciate you guys. I stole my older brother's Jason mask, and I don't have a machete, but a loaf of bread will do. important to us that we keep supporting Broadway and the whole theater community. That's why we ask all of our guests to choose a charity and our parents make a donation as a thank you for being on our show. This episode supports Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. We hope you'll consider making a donation of any size. You can find a link to donate in our show notes. Any amount counts. Two Kids in a Broadway Star is me, Haley. And me, Ellie. We started this podcast to stay connected to the theater community during the 2020 shutdown, and we don't plan on stopping anytime soon. You can follow us on Instagram at Two Kids Pod, and all of our episodes are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and linked at twokidsbroadway.com. Please like and subscribe. Thanks for listening.